Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Welcome into the Osimo MMA Strategy Show as we get you ready for UFC 268, which goes out on Saturday night inside Madison Square Garden in New York City. We are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. We'll talk a little about Monkey Knife Fight later on in the show. We have got a ton of fights to break down. Of course, as always, I am joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr. Good afternoon, Pete. Great to be here on a Thursday afternoon. Talk a little fights with you. And uh, before we kind of start breaking down the fights, you know, as I was looking at the DraftKings salaries, of course, as we do this show here uh, a Thursday, just after one o'clock each time, FanDuel salaries are, are not out yet. My first thought was like, man, there are some interesting underdog plays here this week that are underneath 8,000. Yeah, for sure. It's a very, very exciting uh, card. Um, I'm excited and looking forward to it. I mean, tons of pivotal matchups for the division, uh, you know, bunch of different divisions, um, under eight K is a little bit better than what we've been seeing. And, uh, I am excited to break these fights down and see, you know, how you're feeling on some of these matchups. Of course, if you do have any questions on the fight, you can, uh, you can leave that in our discord chat. You can also leave that right here on YouTube as well. We'll get to those questions as we go on throughout the show. I already got some questions in from discord and Twitter about the fights. We'll talk about those as we do go on. But of course, we have two title fight rematches that are going to headline this car. Let's talk about the first one, Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington. Kamaru Usman, 9,300, 6,900 for Colby Covington. Uh, you know, kind of one of my uh, initial kind of thoughts on this one, Pete, is A, you know, I, I think because of the run that Kamaru Usman has been on the last year, I think really plays into the price that we're seeing, not just on DraftKings, but also on the betting odds. We haven't seen Colby Covington in well over a year. The first fight, was a very close fight. I mean, you go back to it's, you know, but I think the one thing that really stuck out to me going back and watching the fight was Kamaru Usman was really the first guy that was actually able to slow down the pace of Colby Covington. Yeah, um, it was a really, really close fight in the early going, and I was actually surprised by that when I went back and I watched the tape again. Um, I will say that the salary and the, and the betting odds are probably a reflection on Kamar Usman's rise throughout the pound for pound rankings. And I think uh, deservedly so he's looked absolutely dominant and like one of the best fighters we've ever seen. I do think that a, uh, a second time around here against Colby Covington, you could see a more polished, refined uh, Kamar Usman, especially under Trevor Whitman under, you know, several camps now. Um, and I, I think that we could see, you know, a more dominant performance looking to put a stamp on this sort of uh, we'll call it um I don't know, this matchup against Covington, just kind of just completely get rid of the possibility of having a third fight. But I was really surprised. It was volume versus effectiveness in the first time. And, you know, you talk about the work rate of Colby Covington constantly being able to chain together takedowns or, or tons of volume striking. It was mainly just volume striking, no takedowns. Um, I would love to see how this fight would play out if they started to engage in some grappling sequences. Uh, could that zap the energy of either one of these fighters? I'll still lean uh, Kamar Usman. It's uh, it's not really much of a lean. I'm actually picking Usman pretty heavy here. I think that he's going to go out there and put a stamp on this fight and uh, get a nice victory at 9,300. The guy's DraftKings gold. Uh, look, look what he's done. I mean, his floor is yeah. so, so high. What, 104? That's the worst you're going to get out of a guy at 9,300. Um, there is a win on his record in a five-round decision over Damian Mai. He scored 80 points. But outside of that, 104 is his second lowest total. Come on, I, I want him in my lineups. 
Yeah, I mean, and look, I think there is value on the Colby Covington side of this equation as well. I, I don't think we can ignore mm-hmm. him in this situation. Uh, look, I think this fight is closer than what the salaries are on DraftKings, what the betting lines are. You, know, you look at the betting lines, you know, a three-to-one betting favorite uh, pretty much across the board here for Kamar Usman. Uh, you know, mentioned a couple of questions. One we got over Twitter from at Open Road, Open Mike said, if Colby wins or makes a close split decision loss, do you go with the trilogy right away or wait? Look, I think if Colby wins, they will go right to the trilogy matchup. Sure. Uh, if Kamaru Usman wins, I'm just telling you, it wouldn't shock me. If Kamaru Usman's next style offense is against Hamza Chimaev. I think he'll ride off into the sunset before that happens. He's already kind of just talked about it. <laughs> uh, I think he's going to do everything he can to avoid Hamza Chimaev. Um, I think that's one of the guys that needs to be tested a little bit more before he ends up, uh, you know, fighting for the title because you don't want to fight Kamar Usman with any questions. Like you don't want questions surrounding, you know, your toughness or dealing with adversity or your cardio. We haven't seen Hamzat Shemayev tested. Give him one more fight and then get him into a title fight. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Kobe Covington, a lot of people will, will point to the, the camp switch here and uh, MMA masters thinking that he's going to have a training camp dedicated solely around him, which I I think is absolutely beneficial where you have tons of people just working to make sure that you are at your peak performance. That could be very, very helpful rather than when you're in a big room, such as American top team. Um, I'm still thinking that Kamaru Usman is going to go out there in dominant fashion and have answers for everything that Colby Covington throws out there. And uh, I mean, the value is crazy, right? 6,900 for a workhorse is absolutely ridiculous. So there's a, there's definitely a path where you could have a losing fighter in the optimal lineup. We'll have to see, but I'm picking Kamaru Usman. If you are siding with Kobe Covington, I think taking him via decision is the way to go. That's probably the only bet that I would somewhat hedge the main event. But I think that Kamaru Usman goes out there and gets it done. Uh, you know, Sean mentioned, he says, uh, Colby will score over 50 in a decision loss. That would not surprise me. That's why I think in, when you're playing, especially more in cash games, more than GPP in cash games, I don't mind getting to more Colby Covington. If you do expect this fight to go 25 minutes, which I do, uh, Joshua asking, can we talk about Colby Covington's camp switch in regards to this fight? Of course, he's been MMA masters at one time. And look, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong, but Jorge Masvidal, of course, used to be. Used to be best buds of Colby Covington, yeah. uh, you know, has talked about that he's got nothing but yes men around him. That you know, at, I mean, Masters. I have no idea whether that's true or not. Obviously, I mean, Masters. As you know, when we talk about South Florida gyms, everyone talks about ATT. Everyone talks about uh, you know Sanford MMA, but really, I mean, Masters. It's a quality gym down in South Florida. Um, you know, the, the thing with Colby Covington is, I mean, look, I think this fight is going to play on the feet. I just don't know if he can match the striking of Kamaru Usman. I mean, he was matching it in the first couple rounds. Uh, you know, the volume was getting to Kamar Usman at times, and it looked like he was stinging him. I do think that uh, since that fight, we've seen Kamar Usman really just uh, develop a better jab, better straight punches, more power in his shots. You saw that in a Masvidal fight. You saw it in a Gilbert Burns fight. I think that the more effective boxing could really be on display here versus the, the pitter-patter type of Colby Covington trying to win rounds. Now, I, I like Kobe Covington. I think he's a fantastic fighter. I just think that Usman's constantly leveling up and Kobe Covington's going to be a nightmare for everybody else in this division. I just think that Usman has his number. Um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, having a smaller camp is not a problem. And a lot of people think you have to go to these mega camps. Mega camps are great because you're in a room surrounded mm-hmm. by top talented fighters that can test you in all areas. That is fantastic. You need that. You need those challenging rounds. But to have a small stable of coaches that care only about you is extremely beneficial. So let's not overlook that. Yeah, it was interesting listening to Justin Gaethje kind of talk about with their room over there in Denver with Trevor Whitman, where they said literally, you know, there'd be one training session. That would be Kamaru Usman's training session. And then Rose would come in and then Gaethje would come in and, and, and Gaethje talked about, he says, you know what, you come in for your session, you get there early you're watching that other fighter and you're seeing what they're doing in that room. So uh, there, there's pro there, there's pros and minuses to, to both of those situations as well. Of course, this is the also MMA strategy show. Of course, uh, if you're listening to us on YouTube, always do appreciate you. Give us that thumbs up. You got to subscribe to the channel. You got to do that. Of course, coming up after us will be the NHL strategy show. And if you're not a member of also plus, and you want to get a little peek, what's behind the paywall today's free premium data and tools are Thursday night football showdown, single game, 
rankings, NHL top stacks, and NBA player projections, of course, plus uh, Adam's NBA Deeper Dive article, which is free every day. It's an article that I go to each and every day. And uh, also, you got to check out those uh, those uh, topics we have, over, those articles we have over at Odd Shopper if you're looking to play some prop contests, if you're in a state that uh, you can play those prop contests at. So, as always, appreciate you, everyone tuning in here. Of course, co-main event will be a, another rematch. Rose Namunas taking on Wei Li Zhang. 8200 for Rose for Wei Lee 8000 um you know Pete I don't think there's a ton that we can take out of the first matchup because it was only 78 seconds one of the more interesting thoughts heading into this rematch is the fact of Wei Lee did move her training to Fight Ready in Arizona for people who are not familiar with Fight Ready that is the the gym that uh, has been the home of Henry Sahuda I actually believe Sahuda actually has ownership in the gym uh striking coach there is Eddie Shaw uh Santonino is the head coach there it's a great team there I, I don't know how well it fits into what Wei Lee does um because I don't think she's gonna go for a takedown on this one B I think this is a fight that's gonna play on feet I think this thing's gonna last 25 minutes I mean, I think that she probably will because they've been working on it definitely in camp. I think she needs to be very careful and methodical when she does that. Uh, I think you need this fight, 8,200, 8,000. You talk about a five-round uh, title fight between Nami Yunus and Wei Li Zhang in the rematch. There's no way that I'll probably avoid this fight. Um, typically don't want to get to too much women's MMA, but I think there's tons of upside given the price. Uh, Wei Li Zhang has great volume, good aggressiveness. I think she's going to need to be uh, a little bit more aggressive and assertive in this matchup. She needs to definitely push the pace of it, test Nami Yunus's toughness, um, put her on the back foot, try not to get caught with counter shots, maybe mix in some takedowns to solidify rounds, but be very, very careful when you do that. Yes, you have a ton of MMA experience, but Nami Yunus, even going back to the ultimate fighter, you know, she, she really had that ace up, 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 up her sleeve where she was able to just submit everybody, uh, piece them up on the feet. And then if it hit the mat, she was slippery and slick. And she was able to find submissions. So Nama Yunus at 8,200 is my play. I like her quite a bit, but there's no way I'm getting away from uh, Wei Li Zhang. It's just a former champ who looked amazing at times, can definitely make adjustments. Let's not kind of underestimate adjustments that can be made from fight to fight. But I do think that Nama Yunus has her number in this matchup. I think striking-wise, the fact that she did knock her out, I think is going to inspire more confidence in Nama Yunus. And as long as Nama Yunus is going out there and is assertive, and is not shy. I think that we're going to have a, a dominant performance here. Um, I, I think she's definitely going to win three rounds. I foresee it reaching the championship rounds, and uh, I'm going to favor Nama Yunus in the matchup. I, I she checks more boxes for me, but uh, the value on Wei Li Zhang is incredible. The thing that really has surprised me this week in relation to this fight has just been monitoring the betting lines on this one, and I've been pretty floored. I thought heading into this, Rose would be a minus 140, minus 150 favorite, but there are books out there. We're actually getting plus money on Rose Namunas, and Crazy. I think Rose is, is – I think she's just one of these fighters I think everyone just kind of counts out a lot against. Yeah. You know, look, I think she has a jiu-jitsu advantage in this one. Um, mm -hmm. I, I do like Rose, but I'm with you. I do think that is a fight that we do have to uh, be uh, looking at to, as a you know a priority of circling and saying, hey, need someone have in that one. Uh, Mitch, a question uh, says, uh, can you stack both main events for only cash? Both in the same lineup. I mean, I probably I would do both in the same line, but I think I think in yeah. cash, I don't mind stacking them in cash. I don't either, and I'm not big into stacking. But the value on the underdog is just amazing, and the the volume for each of the main event and co main event should definitely uh, you know work out for you if you are stacking in cash. So yes, they're both viable. Um, and you mentioned that Nami Yunus can be found as an underdog. She's a slight underdog. She's plus 100 on DraftKings Sportsbook. So, uh, uh, yeah, I like that a lot, man. I really do. You're talking about Nami Yunus. Um, I, I, I just think that she's going to go out there and replicate what happened, but it's going to be over the course of five rounds, not going to be a finish. Yeah, at least for right now. It may change tomorrow. We can we can legally bet here in the state of four of the Hard Rock yeah. Sportsbook. And uh, I'll just look at where Rose is at right now. Rose is, she's plus 100. And, and I'll say this. If you think Rose is going to win, just go make your bet now. 
Because yeah. I, I I don't think you're you're going to get a better number than that. I think it's probably going to be my. It's probably going to be. I would imagine it's going to be a minus one ten, one ten on each side by the time we get to fight night. Uh, but it's definitely uh, something to look out for. Then of course rematches is something that Rose is very familiar with. Uh, let's move uh, next up. We've got Frankie Eric taking on Marlon Vera, seventy four hundred. Frankie Yeager, eighty eight hundred for Marlon Vera. This this is really I think what this fight comes down to. Pete is can Marlon Vera keep it on the feet. Yeah, it's a great point. And can he? I don't know. We'll have to see. But Frankie Edgar is definitely in the underdog pool. At 7,400, you talk about a very good wrestler who could work towards, you know, solidifying some rounds with some takedowns, getting some takedowns, getting some top control, uh, some landing some punishing ground and pound. He actually has some some good defensive submission skills. So he's able to avoid tricky situations. I think that, you know, it's tough to get behind a fighter as they're aging in their career and they're also taking so much damage towards the the tail end of their career, right? Like we just saw Frank Yeager get knocked out in one of the most vicious fashions ever. How does he respond to that? Well, I think that Frank Yeager just kind of straps up, straps up his boots, gets back to work, gets back to training. And uh, you're going to see him work harder in the gym, but a guy like Marlon Vera can definitely test his chin throughout. Um, I just, I don't know, man, like Marlon Vera is, seems to be very, very inconsistent. Obviously he's, Won and lost, alternated wins and losses. I mean, Andre Yule lost the fight to Song Yadong that many thought that he won. Got that nice victory over Sean O'Malley. That was great. Then lost to Jose Aldo. And now is just coming off a victory over Grant where he did use some takedowns. I don't think he's taking down Frankie Edgar. I think this is going to try to play out on the feet and just work in that vicious, vicious Muay Thai. I don't know if I really like the Marlon Vera call here at 8,800. I feel like he will walk away with the victory, but there are some better pieces on this card that I'd rather get to in this high eight or 9,000 range. True, false. Saturday night's the final fight in Frank Yeager's career. That's no, it's false. Um, oh, I think already- it's true. I, I think, no. I think it's his final fight. I think he's go He goes out in New York. No, win or lose, win or lose. I think it's no. his last one. I think he should. I mean, it seems like he should. And this is like a, a case of where you're so addicted to the sport and you know, nothing else. And you're just, in the game for a little bit too long. And now these younger guys that are sharper in all areas, they start to, you know, he's always been a guy that's been the tough guy. So he's taken tons of damage throughout his career. And then he's able to deal with that adversity and come back. Well, guess what? As you get older, that that becomes more and more difficult. And uh, if he has to weather the storm for Marlon Vera, I think that his chances of coming back are very, very slim. So I am siding with Marlon Vera in the fight, but Frankie Edgar is an excellent value play. I'm, yeah, I agree exactly what you said there. I'm sorry with Vera. I, I do like the value with Frank, in particular, especially if he's able to go and take around that. This just it, it feels like old school matchmaking here, Pete, where it's about we've got the older guy. You know what? There's not much left in the tank there. Yeah. He's four years old at 135 pounds, and this feels like this is Marlon Vera's chance to make himself a name over against a former champion. Yeah, I mean, you would think, right? Like, this is definitely... Um, it's not a layup by any means because it's Frank Yeager, former champ, can test you in all areas. He's phenomenal. And Marlon Vera is traditionally a slow starter, as mentioned in chat. Yes, he is. So if Frank Yeager gets out ahead, uh, the volume and the pace is what wins a lot of judges over. But you're starting to see where, I don't know, it seems like this past couple months, if fighters get blanketed, but the other fighter is more damaging or they're starting to, to value more damaging shots than volume, um, I, I'm just interested. I think it could be a, a sticky situation and end up going the distance. And we could be talking about a disputed uh, decision. Of course, I uh, just heard from the boss man, Alex Baker. Ownership projections have been updated over at awesome.com. And if you're not an awesome plus member and you want to become a member, you got to take advantage of the promo we got going on during today's show. As you got to use that promo code MMA strategy show. If you're a new user of also plus platinum, you get 25% off your first week. Once again, that's promo code MMA strategy show. One word, all caps for 25% off your first week of awesome plus platinum. Of course, give you access to all the great tools and content we have over awesome.com whether it's ownership projections player projections so much more all a ton of great content over there in terms of mma you get that top fighter tool as well which is a massive tool you want to use and of course if you just want a awesome mma weekly package you can get that as low as 295 a week stop guessing start winning join awesome 
plus today. Let's move next over to a matchup that I'm really intrigued by. A guy from here from my who now lives in my hometown of Tampa, Florida, originally from Buffalo, Billy Q taking on Shane Burgos, 7,200 for Billy, 9,000 for Shane. Uh, of course, I had Billy on my show this week. We actually uh, recorded that conversation at the end of last week. And, um, you know, really my, my two big takeaways, Pete, from the conversation was, A, the fact that he has been working with Antonio Tarver, the boxing world champion. And the reason, his main reason for working with Antonio, not just because he's a great boxer, but the fact of he feels this will be a boxing matchup against Shane Burgos. And then the other takeaway that I took was him talking about, hey, first time fighting back in front of the fans and how that is going to kind of, it's going to be a different environment for him. Yeah, great points. Um, I'm always interested whenever you have these little nuggets about the people you interview and, you know, definitely working with uh, Tarver is is a great thing. Um, Billy Q is a guy that we've relied on a lot to come through for us in underdog situations and situations where he can win the fight as the fight goes on. He tends to weather the storm a lot, tends to have to come overcome a ton of adversity. He takes a lot of damage at times. Uh, he gets himself in some bad positions. Also, I am very intrigued with this matchup. I think it's going to be a very, very violent fight. And this violence could end up being a uh, fight of the night. It could be a phenomenal fight, but I don't know if it's going to result in the best DFS performance because if it's a stand-up fight, uh, do we really get the best score? I don't know. I'm going to lead in uh, Shane Burgos's direction. I think at 9,000, he's fought the more legitimate competition. He's fought some staples mm -hmm. within the division. You talk about Edson Barboza, Emmett, Amerikani, Swanson, Hollabach, Ka uh, Calvin Cater, just to name a few, Charles Rosa. So like he's fought some really good guys. And that doesn't mean that Billy Q can't go in there and compete with him because I do think that he can. We've started to see Billy Q turn into a, uh, you know, he's been a well-rounded well fighter, but he's starting to be dangerous in all areas. And he's so game that if you don't put him away, he's going to keep, you know, knocking on your door, trying to take you out. So this is an underdog with tons of upside at 7,200, but I am siding with Shane Burgos. Um, I'm worried about the damage that he took and in, in some of his knockout in his knockout defeat to, uh, to Edson Barboza, that was such a weird KO loss where it was a somewhat delayed response. But I don't really know if a, a guy in Billy Q, which is more volume, less power, can take advantage of that. So I'm going to side with Shane Burgos. I think that the striking's a little bit crisper. I think that he can match the volume, the aggressiveness. We've also seen Billy Q hurt numerous times. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he's like had to overcome a lot. But there could be a time where a guy that's in this, you know, upper echelon of the division hurts you and then ends up taking you out. So I'm siding with Shane Burgos at 9,000. That was part of our conversation as well of, mm -hmm. you know, being a little of over aggressive uh, in fights. You know I mean? I think the one thing is if you're going to take Shane Burgos, look, when we get to our straight up picks, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm picking Billy Q. I got to go with my Tampa guy. Got to go with my Tampa guy. And, and I'll, uh, I'll be taking but, Ally Aquinta because he's my buddy. So that's how, that's but, how we go. I mean, look, I think in terms of a DFS aspect, mm -hmm. if you're looking at Shane Burgos at 9,000, I think ultimately the question has got to be is, I think for him to pay off that, truly pay off that price, I think it's got to be a stoppage victory. I mean, yes, even a decision win, a high-volume decision win, he may get in that close to 90 range. But 9,000, man, I'm, I'm looking for 100 points. So that, that would be my only concern about Shane Burgos as a part of a GPP. I would agree. And I do think that a guy like Shane Burgos can actually uh, get some knockdowns because we've seen Billy Q take a shot, get cracked on the regional scene, get knocked out from a head kick. So like, I mean, there's definitely a path. So I think that Shane Burgos trying to, you know, not predict the points, but predict the outcome. I'm going to side with him and think that some crazy stuff could possibly happen en route to a better score. Yeah. Uh, next up will be the opening matchup of the pay-per-view. And the reason it's the opening matchup is because of Trevor Whitman. So Trevor Whitman wasn't trying to corner back-to-back-to-back oh. -to -back -to -back fights. Uh, that was a, uh, a request that uh, his team had made and make this one. So Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler were kicked this one off. Gaethje, 8,900, 7,300 for Michael Chandler. And, I mean, this is a fight that I think that we have to prioritize uh, in, in terms of, of GPPs. You know, look, it's there was a, a funny prop bet that I saw put out there of who's going to take the first step backwards. I think it's Michael Chandler. Um, I mean, look, I, I think this this is I think it's a fairly easy fight to break down. I think is a how quick does Chandler try to make this a wrestling matchup? 
try to see what improvements that Justin Gaethje has made since his last fight against Habib. I mean, look, Habib's a different grappler, but yeah. Habib was really the first guy who really truly pushed the wrestling aspect. And to me, on the other side, with Chandler, is will Chandler actually defend leg kicks? Because this just isn't talking about his short stint here in the UFC. Go back to his Bellator stint. This is a guy who did not check leg kicks at all. You can go through multiple fights in Bellator, just didn't do it. And that's my concern. That's why I like Justin Gaethje in this fight. I think the leg kicks will be ultimately the reason that he, he goes out there and gets a stoppage victory, I think, in the first or second round. Yeah, I, I love your take on this. Um, I might have 100% of this fight, to be honest. I, I don't see how the winner of this fight isn't a part of the optimal lineup. I think that if people, if say each fighter are 40% um, owned, I, I think that's too low, to be honest. I, I think that somebody's getting finished and you want to be on the right side of this. So whether you want to take a 50-50 approach to it, or if you want to be a little bit more bullish towards one side, I'm leaning towards Justin Gaethje. I think that the striking can test Michael Chandler. Uh, we've seen Michael Chandler over the years from Bellator. Now, even in the UFC, you're starting to see these chin issues start to really surface. Um, he's taken so much damage. I mean, the, the wars against Eddie Alvarez took, I don't know how much off of his career. Um, and now if he gets hit with a clean shot, he gets dropped. And then after that, he's going to you know work towards trying to come back. But in addition to that, if say he can take a shot, from the outside, Justin Gaethje is one of the best leg kickers in the game. And against the guy who is notorious for getting cracked in the leg and had some situations in Bellator where his leg gave out underneath him because of that mm -hmm. awesome, awesome leg kick um, that his opponent landed. I am siding with Justin Gaethje, especially the UFC factor where he's fought legitimate UFC competition. Chandler has fought, I would say, slightly lower competition, but still like really high competition. It's just a different caliber when you're talking UFC against Bellator for the most part. Um, Chandler could, uh, can and should test the, the grappling of Justin Gaethje. That is the safest game plan out there is go out, uh, go out there, pin Gaethje against the cage, try to wrestle, wrestle early, wrestle often, test Gaethje's defensive uh, you know, flaws and see if he made any adjustments in that area. If he does that, he could win a safe decision. So I'm going to be split on this pick, but I think that Justin Gaethje is going to basically uh, defend some takedowns and uh, keep it on the feet en route to a finish. So 8,900, I like Justin Gaethje a lot, but I will be prioritizing this fight. I cannot you know, say that enough. Chandler will be one of my highest own underdogs given the, the, you know, the nature of this fight. It's going to be the most violent fight on the entire card. And of course, in Chandler's last fight, we saw some poor fight IQ of why are you following yes. Charles Oliver to the ground? You know, sure. and then which makes which makes me wonder is you know the Sanford team could have their great game plan out there of hey, we gotta try to take this one to the ground. Let's not get into a firefight. But ultimately, three letters get 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 in the way, it becomes a firefight. And when we're talking about three letters, E G O. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, look, 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 we, we can, we can name how many fighters that we've known that it happens. They just don't follow the game plan. Yeah. I mean, it, it does happen. And I love Michael Chandler. Like I am a big, big Michael Chandler guy. I think that he has excellent boxing. I think that in that entire camp at Sanford MMA is going to have him prepared in all areas of the fight. I mean, the wrestling in that room is the best. I don't think that Justin Gaethje's wrestling in the room Yes, he's with Kamaru Usman, but I don't think that it's the same as dealing with tons of different looks in the in the Sanford MMA wrestling room. Uh, Chandler needs to wrestle and wrestle early because if he stands with Justin Gaethje, I think he's getting knocked out. Uh, next up, uh, well, we're talking about a clear A side and B side oh, yeah. of the fight. To me, this is one of them. Alex Pereira and Andres Michaelides, uh, Pereira, 9,100, 7,100 for Andreas. Uh, Pete, I mean, look, to me, this is a clear setup fight for Alex to go out there and win it. And I know you're, you're in love with him here. I mean, look, if, if someone was going to take on Alex, the game plan truly would be don't have a kickboxing matchup. This guy's an elite kickboxer. Yeah. You would take a ground. That's not Andreas. Andreas is going to stand with him. To me, this is a classic UFC showcase fight. And, and Alex is a guy that I think we got to prioritize. Yeah. Alex Pereira is, might be my favorite play on the entire slate. Now you always have to pause and be careful when somebody's making their UFC debut because you don't know how they're going to deal with the nerves um, and octagon jitters, all that stuff. But I think a guy of Pereira's caliber, you know, training with Glover Teixeira, being a phenomenal world-renowned kickboxing champ, 
having wins over Israel Adesanya at 9,100. You're giving him MMA gloves now. It's uh, if you haven't seen his early MMA career, or if you haven't even seen his kickboxing career, the guy has some of the best striking you will ever see. And uh, against Andreas Mikolitis, a guy that. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Really just, I don't know, man. His fight against Modestus Bukowskis, that fight was extremely weird. Uh, got a victory over KB Buller, one of the lowest, I would say, skilled fighters in the UFC of, uh, of late. I think that he's not in the UFC anymore. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think as, that, I, as I recall, we've KB had a highly illegal knee about a week ago over in uh, somewhere in Europe. Oh, news to me. I'll have to check that out. But uh, yeah, with all that being said, Alex Perot is my favorite play on the slate. I think he's going to get that Francis and Gano bonus. And if he doesn't, I think that we are going to get a round one or round. I, I say round one KO. Uh, I don't even see this going in, into round two. He's just that special. So Whatever the ownership is, I don't think it's going to be enough. Um, I'll probably have 100% of them. And I know that's extremely aggressive. And if you're a contrarian and you think that the octagon jitters are going to get to him, you either fade the fight. I wouldn't recommend playing the opponent because I think that Pereira is going to be dominant. Yeah, KB Bar uh, lost last week via first round legal knee at UA Warriors 24. As I recall, I think, uh, I want to say MMA oh. Fighting may have had the video of that highly illegal knee he landed. Not, highly illegal. Not not what you want to be known for. So, uh, yeah, that, that's unfortunate. Um, hopefully the opponent's okay, and hopefully KB stops doing that. Uh, next up, we got a matchup. Uh, it should be a striker's delight here. Maybe potentially one side, maybe another side might go a takedown. Ally Quinta versus Bobby Green. Ally Quinta, 7,600. Bobby Green, 8,600. I mean, look, you talk about game plan. You know, if, if I'm that, that Longo Sarah fight team, I'm telling Al, let's, let's try it. Let's test the wrestling of Bobby Green. I, I mean, you would think, right? But like Bobby Green has some pretty good defensive wrestling and some offensive wrestling you know, himself. So I think that this will end up being a striking affair. The the wrestling will somewhat nullify each other. Ally Aquinta has been away from the cage for a while. Uh, a friend of mine, I'm going to be rooting like crazy for Ally Aquinta. I think that this is a variable, very winnable fight for him because Bobby Green is notorious for dropping decisions. Uh, he plays around mm-hmm. in the octagon. He can have competitive moments. He should be winning the fight. And then for whatever reason, he allows his opponents to come back in. So you talk about Ally Quinta as an underdog, definitely viable, part of my you know underdog pool. But you have to take the inactivity in, into consideration. And in addition to that, you also have to take into the strength of schedule that Bobby Green's been facing. I mean, uh, arguable you know losses against uh, Tiago Moises and Rafael Fiziev. I thought in the Fiziev fight, he looked damn good. A lot of people mm-hmm. you know cried robbery in that fight. And uh, I just don't know if we need this fight. I really don't. Uh, it's not a fight that I'm prioritizing because I don't really see either guy landing a ton of takedowns. And that's kind of what boosts the total of, of Bobby, Bobby Green's fights. If you look at it in the Hotfield Fazeev, um, he threw 143 significant strikes. That is a ton. Um, and uh, he, he only scored 57, but that was in a loss. So in a win, let's say he got the win there. He would have scored 87, priced at 8,600. I think that as long as he scores an under 95 or either one of these guys score under 95, they're not going to be a part of the optimal lineup. So I'm okay with getting away from this one. Um, Bobby Green, by all accounts, should win because he's been the more active and facing tougher competition against a guy who has been inactive. But uh, yeah, I'll look elsewhere for my lineups. I prefer this fight in cash, but yeah, you know what Saturday's date is, right? What is it? November 6th which will mark exactly eight years since Bobby Green won a fight via stoppage. Yeah, I don't know. He, I don't think he's stopping my boy Al. Uh, Al's tough. Al is crazy. He took Habib on 
what a week's notice a couple days notice um they're like come on I, I don't think that bobby i mean he could but mma math doesn't make sense uh and you can't do it so um i i will look elsewhere for my lineups i don't really see this this fight being a, a part of the optimal november 6 2013 a tko win for bobby green against james kraus damn that's crazy my boy james kraus our boy we should say who will be in dublin he is in dublin he will be uh, the chief corner for James Gallagher on Friday night uh, for uh, the co-main event when Patchy Mix missed weight earlier today. And as yeah, I look good, I'm just going to say this stylistically, that is a god awful fight for James Gallagher. I'm interested to see yeah. what James Krause has done with his striking game. Mm-hmm. Both are good grapplers. Um, James got to win the fight on the feet. Um, but yeah. as I said on Twitter yesterday, there is a reason patchy mix is a three to one betting favorite in that one. It's interesting. And he's coming in heavy, but we'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, I guess apparently he's had to deal with some adversity because of, uh, some of his chief corners, I guess. Um, that. Again. Yeah. They, they, they didn't follow COVID <laughs> protocol or, or the COVID stuff. So he, I don't know. Uh, I, think it, I think it, I think it sounds like there may be. Maybe not vaccinated. And yeah, that's what I heard too. The country would not let him in. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. You're going to just abandon your guy like that. Ay, ay, ay. You, yeah, you that, don't think, whatever. Don't get me started with that because I'll start freaking out. I mean, like the fighters are priority. You need to do everything. If you're going to agree to a corner or, and coach somebody, you need to make sure that nothing of your own personal decisions is going to get in the way of that. That is so ridiculous. Have somebody well, else here, there to corner him. And from a UFC aspect is the fact of, Starting on Monday to get into the United States, you have to show proof of vaccination. The mm-hmm. UFC sent a letter out to all of their fighters about a month ago, warning them of this, of saying, look, we're not telling you you have to be vaccinated. It's totally your choice. But if you're not vaccinated, you got to let us know because then we can't book you for a fight in the United States. Well, yeah, because you don't want to avoid you don't want to have this issue surface the week of the fight. Oh, you know, you come in there with the Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers treatment. You know what I mean? Like whatever this homeopathic stuff instead of the, the COVID vaccine, whatever it is. But like, if, if the organization is telling you the prerequisites of what you need to have, just like you're all medicals, you need to have that checklist secured. So that's simple as that. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things to put in there. Of course, uh, this is the also MMA strategy shows. We're getting ready for UFC 268. And we are brought to you by monkey knife fight. They got their player props contest. With Monkey Knife Fight, you are in charge. All you got to do is go to monkeyknifefight.com. When you sign up, be sure to use that promo code AWESOMO for instant first match deposit of up to $100. Pete, let's look at the main event and co-main event. We got it. Of course, we always like to look at strikes landed. Huge number on Kamar Usman, 168 and a half. Jeez. It's a massive number. It's a big number. Um. <laughs> Well, let's think. And the Colby Covington fight landed 175 first time around. I, I will say more. And I didn't think I would say that. But yes, more. I, I look, I think if you believe this fight's going 25 minutes, you, you have to go more. If you think Kamar Usman is going to get him out before the fifth round, I think mm-hmm. it goes less. I kind of feel like Monkey Knife Fight's trying to get you to take the less on here one. Uh Colby Covington, I think, is a really interesting number, 114 and a half. I think that's a more for me. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I just I think the number's too low. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I mean, Usman, fight, he landed 143. He's a yeah, volume it's guy. Too, it's, it's too low, man. It's too low. I foresee this reaching the championship rounds. I could be shocked, and Kamar Usman gets him out of there, but it's a double more for me. And it's a double more for me in the co-main event with Nami Yunus and Wei Li. Nami Yunus, 117.5. Wei Li, 99.5. I think this thing's going 25 minutes. So that is a double more situation for me. Nah, Wei Li only landed 12 last time because it, it didn't Oh, okay, 78 yeah. seconds. This thing's going 25 minutes there, Hoss, at yeah, least well, in my opinion. Well, I mean, imagine if she goes out there and she puts her away in 30 seconds. Um yeah, no, I, I think it's going to go the distance as well. I think it's going to be somewhat of a war, pretty reminiscent of the uh, Ioannia Jacek fight, leaning in the Rosanami Yunus direction. So I'll say more as well for both. Total strikes that Whaley had against Ioannia and Jacek, 170. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a double more. 
Yeah. I mean, look, uh, now, if you think the fight's going to get done in three rounds, there, I, I think then that's a double less situation for me. I think this fight's going 25 minutes. It's a double more uh, situation for me. Of course, I uh, appreciate Monkey Knife Fight, their support yeah. of the also MMA strategy show. Once again, be sure to use that promo code AWESOMO when you sign up for an instant first match deposit of up to $100. Next up, we got a matchup of a guy who's finally making his UFC debut. It's been a long time coming. I remember when I talked to him about two, three months ago, his message was, I'm going to keep knocking off all these young prospects yeah. until Dana White gives me the call. He gets the call in short notice. Doesn't happen on that, that week, but now he gets Phil Hawes. Phil Hawes, 9,400 uh, and 6,800 for Chris Curtis, man. Chris Curtis is a guy that's in my underdog pool. This is, it's a style uh, clash here because yeah, Phil Hawes, who's a guy who starts fast. Chris Curtis, the guy who starts slow, but then it turns around where Phil Hawes fades and Chris Curtis comes on the second and third round. Um, I mean, look, it's if you tell me Chris Curtis gets Chris Curtis, if you tell me Phil Hawes gets Chris Curtis out in the first round, okay, I, I can see it happening. But this is to me, he's got live betting situation written all over, Pete. Uh, mm. If this thing hits the second round, you might be just uh, sitting on that app and just seeing what's the best number you can get on Chris Curtis. Yeah, man, I, I'll tell you. Chris Curtis is a guy that I've paid attention to a lot. Um, he was the former CES champ and that's an organization I fought for. So, I, you know, when he's headlining the card or whatnot, you always kind of, you know, tuning in to, to watch him and his skill level. I knew it from, from the beginning. I was like, this guy's skill level striking is exceptional. And I think that he's going to make some waves in a bigger promotion like Bellator or the UFC. And I'm happy that things have all gone the way that they have where he took the short notice opportunity against Phil Hawes that ended up falling through. And I think that could be a blessing in disguise because when you're taking a short notice fight, you're, you're brought in and you're taking it just for the opportunity. Uh, if you get the win, obviously that's, that's, you know, the bonus where you're like, Oh my goodness, I, I took it on two days notice and I came in here and I ended up getting a victory over a guy who had a full camp. But now that I think that he has a full camp where he can tailor the training around uh, what Phil Hawes is going to bring to him. I think you're going to see Chris Curtis, you know, come through in this underdog spot. He has, you know, exceptional power in his hands, but more than that, he's able to deal with adversity well, and he has the better cardio of the two. Phil Hawes' cardio drops off a cliff, mm -hmm. and this is, I'm a, I'm a Phil Hawes guy. I would hate, I hate for these guys, you know, one of these guys to lose. I don't want these guys to fight each other, but I think that Phil Hawes is, you know, a very, very dangerous opponent because he has excellent power, good striking, phenomenal wrestling. Round two, round three, he looks like a shell of himself where he's not the most damaging, uh, most dangerous guy. He looks human. He doesn't look superhuman. And I think when he looks human in rounds two and three, you're going to see the underdog at 6,800. Chris Curtis come from behind and end up, you know, chin checking Phil Hawes, possibly getting him out of there. Uh, so, yeah, I'm leaning in Chris Curtis. And I was very, very surprised that at the crazy line, of 9,400 for Phil Hawes, but I'm going to let other people, you know, take that shot around one victory is definitely possible. So I'll have mm -hmm. some ownership there, but Chris Curtis, 6,800 best value play on the slate. I think craziest story with Chris Curtis. Can I go back to 2019 loses to Magomed Karamov in the PFL? Yeah. He's done. He's like, I'm going to retire mm -hmm. back. PFL officials come to him and go, Hey, Karamoff just told us he can't compete rest of the night. You want it in the final? And he goes in and he goes and fights Frank Cooper third. The guy was literally done. He's like, well, I guess I'm still fighting. Yeah, right. Can you imagine? Uh, goodness, man. I, I love Chris Curtis. I think that he has a clear path to victory here is test Phil Hawes in rounds two and three. Whether the storm early, be defensively sound, and then really push the pedal to the metal rounds two and three and, and try to break Phil Hawes. So, yeah, uh, that, that's my call for the week. I, I really like him. I've been following him ever since CES. So uh, 6,800 is a definite bargain. He's fought everywhere. Yeah, I, I know. But that's how I. <laughs> He's he fought has, everywhere. He has. But that's how I know him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I know him from watching on the same car. You know what I mean? It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got Edmund Shabazian, 7,700, taking on Nazarene Imovov, 8,500. Edmund Shabazian is a guy that was, he was the hot guy not that long ago. So he suffered a back to back losses here. Um, so, you know, it's an interesting matchup taking on Imovov. Um, you know, even though Imovov uh, is from Dagestan, not really that, he's not that wrestler. He's more of a striker. Yeah. I mean, 
oh, how the mighty have fallen. Shabazian is a guy that we thought was going to possibly contend for the title one day. And uh, he's getting everybody out of there in round one. And when you have early finishers, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? They look fantastic, but at the same time, they're relatively untested and green in certain areas. Um, not always the case, but definitely was the case for Edmund Shabazian. And you saw that you know, pretty clearly in the Derek Brunson fight where he was just taken down repeatedly, hit with vicious, vicious ground and pound. That fight should have been stopped several times, in my opinion. Um, and then come coming back to face another grappler. I remember we said, uh, this makes no sense. You're facing another grappler after just getting dominated from another grappler, uh, from a wrestler in uh, Jack Hermanson. So uh, now he's in a striking matchup against Nasruddin Imovov. And I think um, you could see his striking potential kind of come through in this matchup. But is Shabazian a stud or a dud? Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to first choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. I don't know. I'm, I'm really, really torn with this matchup. I feel like I want to lean towards Nasruddin Imovov. Um, he's shown me more over the course of 15 minutes. And, you know, the, the second round victory over Ian Heinish really holds a lot of value for me. I think that Heinish is dangerous in all areas. Probably not a fight I'm prioritizing. I know it's going to be a striking matchup, but I feel like they're both pretty defensively sound striking wise. Neither one of them can really go to the takedown. Well, um, they, we could get some knockdowns that could end up boosting the total, but it's probably a fight that I will be slightly underweight to the field, but I'll be siding with Imovov slightly. The fighter on this card that may, for some people, be going under the radar, he's not going under the radar for me, and I think no. it's the guy that we got to prioritize this week, is Ian Gary, the Cage Warriors welterweight champion, making his UFC debut. This was the guy that had made it well-known. He was not interested in going to Bellator. His mindset yeah. was, I am I want to be in the UFC. He's taking on Jordan Williams here. He's 9500 It's a big price tag. Six seven hundred for Jordan Williams. Uh, Jordan Williams, look, he does have power in his hands, no question about it. But man, Ian Gary, I think you when you talk about fighters that are coming into the UFC as prospects, that you go, man, the ceiling is super high on this guy. It's Ian Gary. I really like him in the spot. We got to pay up for him this week. But if you're if you want to put a Chris Curtis in your lineup, you want to put a Billy Quarantillo in your lineup, you want to put a Frankie Edgar in your lineup. Putting Ian Gary in your lineup makes it, the path to that is much easier. Yeah, I think we're going to have a dominant performance here from Ian Gary. Obviously, uh, an international guy coming over here, debuting in the UFC, Octagon Jitters. We spoke of that before. Don't know how he's really going to handle his you know, UFC debut. But Ian Gary is one of the you know highest touted prospects in the game. And I think that he's very, very well-rounded, uh, has good wrestling, good striking. Um, I think that he might be one of the best prospects in the game. And I think the UFC knows what they're doing here. 9,500, that salary is reminiscent of Hamzat Shemaev, Mason Jones. You're paying up for it, but you know what you're going to get, or at least you know what you should get. And uh, I'm okay with, with paying that 9,500. I think the salary is going to be, you know, there's going to be so much salary left on the table, or there's going to be so much salary to spend because I, I'm going to a guy in Curtis as my underdog uh, for some of my lineups. So in Gary, 9,500, I'm not going to overthink it. A guy facing uh, Jordan Williams, who was ended up, uh, got take that, uh, taken down by Mickey Gall and submitted relatively quickly. That does not really bode well for a guy who trains at Sanford MMA, one of the best international prospects. So don't overthink it. I think any uh, Ian Gary, 9,500, one of the best pieces of chalk to target for your lineups this week. Of course, uh, one of the things that Pete and I love to see after the fights are over are those screenshots. And if you want to get into the Osmo Hall of Fame, first off, you got to be rocking that Osmo avatar. Oh, your DFS profile, you can get that over Osmo.com slash avatar. All you do is place in the top three of contests with over 5,000 contestants. Tweet your wins to at Osmo HOF. You win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Only one free month can be awarded to a user per calendar year. First off, kudos to that stunner. He took down first, third, fourth, and fifth in the big Dang. contest over there on FanDuel. 
winning, let's see, that'd be 115, 125, and $133,000. That's pretty good. That's pretty darn good night, man. That's a pretty <laughs> darn good night, Pete. Oh, my goodness. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, also, uh, Locks 262 taking down first place, winning 30K over there on FanDuel. Rubric taking down third in a NBA contest, winning 20K. Also, uh, Velo taking down a contest where he won 1,500 there. Uh, also, uh, Zach taking down second place in a contest over there as well. And uh, Tommy Nation taking down an NHL contest, taking down 20K. Of course, the NHL Strategy Show is coming up after us. You got to check out those guys to get you ready for tonight's NHL slate as those guys do a great job of breaking it down for you. We still got a couple more fights here left to break down. We've got the retirement fight of John Vellante taking on Chris Barnett, 8,300 for Chris Barnett, 7,900 for John Vellante. I can see you shaking your head over there, bro. Who do you trust more? I don't trust either one of these guys. I mean, I guess you would say it was John Vellante's retirement fight. I guess he's just going to throw everything to the wind. No, no. You trust John Volante? I hate. I did not, I, I did not say. I, whoa, whoa, I did not say I trust John Volante. I'm just saying it is a retirement fight, so maybe he's just gonna say, "Screw it." I'm. I'm. One I'm going out, for the 50k. One foot in. One foot out. One foot in. Looking in the rear view, thinking, you know, kind of, I don't know, man. I I think that a guy in Barnett who took a fight on short notice against one of the most dang, not most dangerous, but one of the most difficult fighters in the heavyweight division, and Ben Rothwell, very very tricky fighter to deal with on short notice. Uh, didn't really look the best, but at 8,300, you are talking about heavyweight MMA, uh, extremely volatile. Normally, Jean Volante has lost all of my trust, and he he has when, lost to ooh. Sam Alvey, Herman. Ooh. What Why did he have your trust? No, I mean, he, I mean, he has some notable wins if you go back some time. So it's like you're constantly like sitting there like is he going to turn it around? Is he going to showcase some skills? Yeah, I mean, when he was like 40 pounds less. Yeah, but it's not only that, right? Like, it's not the weight that's really his issue. I think it's just like his commitment to the sport, or at least it seems that way, where he doesn't come in the best shape. He thinks he's just going to go out there, like rock him, sock him robots, and just, you know, just hang it out there and, and go for a paycheck. I think a guy in Barnett's going to look to rebound off of his UFC debut defeat. Um, I think that he could run into a power shot from John Volante and get knocked out. So with all this being said, be very careful with this matchup. It is heavyweight MMA, and if you want to blindly play it, you can definitely get exposure oh. to John Volante. I ain't doing it. I am not doing uh, it. I'm going to target uh, Chris Barnett. Uh, not one of my boldest plays, but I'm going to target Barnett and and probably be even with the field. I won't be overexposed to this fight because it just screams ugly. I it, I may have a sprinkle of this fight. You know, it, it's like when you're doing that recipe card, ask for a pinch of salt. Yeah, I might have a pinch of this fight. Yeah, well, a pinch to you or a pinch to somebody else is different. So, you're like everybody, like if you talk about grandma's recipe, it's different. So for me, I will be. My pinch is like a real pinch. It's not that. <laughs> hey, let me throw half the salt bottle in there. Well, that's how some people are. So I will not be aggressive with this fight. With that being said, Barnett is a guy I will be looking to, but I hate this fight. So. Are you trying to tell me Mama Pete throws half the salt uh, in, in, in the pot? No, that that's like spices and this and that. Like, you know how it is. It's the secret recipe. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm truly <laughs> a pinch. Uh, <laughs> the next up, we got a matchup that came together this week. Uh, that's Jacoby stepping up on short notice, uh, taking on John Allen here. Man, huge, huge, Crazy. huge, huge price tag on Dutch Jacoby at 9,600, 7,800 here for John Allen. I, I don't, man. Dust is my guy. Man, it's a huge price tag. We're talking about DFS. I love Dustin Jacoby. I love Dustin Jacoby. I think that he's one of my most interesting fighters to follow because of his striking prowess from glory coming over here to MMA. Looks so refined, looks so special. Taking a fight on short notice. Okay, that's not really much to kind of worry about. I mean, it depends on if it, how hard he was training or does he train all the time, blah, blah, blah. But now you're talking about pairing a, a price tag with him, 9,600 more than Ian Gary, more than uh, Pereira. Get out of here. It's an easy fade for me. And and John Allen's not bad. John Allen's not a bad fighter at all. He's a good striker, um, has been in some highly competitive fights. Uh, the Delizze fight was pretty close, a lot closer than what the, the stats show. But 9,600, it's a full fade for me. I'm getting away from it. I'd rather pay down, get some other fighters. Jacoby 
is the pick. I'm, I'm still picking him to win, but it's more of the salary play because in his victories, right? Mm-hmm. Let's look at this. Uh, got a first round victory over Stewart. That was great. Scored 106. Okay. First round victory over Justin Ledette. Scored 119. Uh, this is probably going to go the distance and he'll probably be around 80, 85, not worth this 9,600 at all. So I'm fading him this week and I will get exposure to John Allen just because it's pretty easy to cross one person off when they're that highly priced. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, obviously it could be, you know, depending on what ownership ends up being, but I'd rather spend $600 less and get to a Shane Burgos uh, fight that may ultimately go distance as well, but I just think because of the volume there. Uh, next up, we have got uh, Bruno Souza taking on Baxari. Baxari in 9,200, 7,000 here for Souza. Souza, a prodigy of Leota Machida. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Souza is a uh, a talented karate specialist. Um, I watched some fights of, of his and... He uses some excellent footwork, which can frustrate a lot of strikers. And he likes to counter fight a lot where he fades back, pulls back, hits a lot of people with counter right hands or or counter hooks. And I thought that was nice. Keeps his hands pretty low, but where, you know, this could end up getting ugly for him is if Bogdazarian is able to close that gap and really force the firefight and, uh, you know, engage in the clinch where Bogdazarian is going to be you know, leaps and bounds ahead of him in this, in this uh, spot of the fight. If he's able to create like a phone booth fight, I think Bogdasarian can get him out of there with some vicious Muay Thai, some good knees, some good elbows, even on the outside, Bogdasarian's striking is just phenomenal. You saw him in his, in his previous fight against Colin Anglin, where he is able to scramble back to his feet, you know, got a knockdown, showed off some impressive, you know, striking variety. So it's Bogdazarian for me, despite Bruno Souza's karate accolades. I think Bogdazarian's a great play at 9,200. A Souza dancing around on the outside, possibly catching Bogdazarian when he's over aggressive en route to a decision is possible. But I think Bogdazarian is definitely the play at 9,200. Final fight, uh, the opening fight of the night, CJ Vergara taking on Ode Osborne. Uh, we'll break down this fight with this question uh, mm-hmm. that we got from Sam Castle Dance. Any concern about Ode Osborne coming off a knockout loss less than two months ago? Um, less than two months ago. I mean, it's three months ago because it's, it's about three months ago because it, it was in August. It's about to be November. Um, yeah. I mean, not really. I mean, yes, I'd like fighters to sit out like six months. Uh, not all knockouts are created equal. That was a bad one. And he ended up getting caught pretty viciously, but up until that point, he was extremely competitive. He's going up against a CJ Bergara. And he has some skills in the striking department. I think that the long Ode Osborne can pose problems for a lot of people in this division. And he's fought legitimate competition. I mean, losing to Brian Kelleher on your debut. Okay. Knocking out Jerome Rivera in very, very quick fashion. That was uh, spectacular. And now losing to Manel Kopp. Uh, Manel Kopp was one of the best prospects mm-hmm. outside the UFC. And everybody was down on him last fight. And I did not understand it at all. And I was on the Manel Kopp side, thankfully. Uh, losing to him is nothing to hang your head at. So it's Ode Osborne for me at 8,700, but Vergara can definitely test him in all areas of the game. This could end up being a war, but, uh, I just question Vergara's, you know, not strength of schedule because he's fought some good guys, but it's just not, you know, the UFC caliber that Ode Osborne has faced three times this far. So Ode Osborne is my lean. Let's give our straight up uh, fight picks for this one. I'll go down mine. I'll let you go with yours. Give me Usman. Give me Rose. Give me Cheeto Vera. I'll go with a guy. Go with the Hardy. I go with Billy Q. Uh, Gaethje Prahera. Uh, I will go Green. C- give me Chris Curtis in the upset. I think he weathers an early storm there. Uh, I'll take Shabazz getting upset as well. Ian Whoa. Gary. Oh man, God, John Volante. Oh my God, uh, Jacoby, <laughs> Jacoby, Maxardi, and uh, give me Odette. Give yourself like 50 push-ups for picking Jean Volante. All right. We're going Kamaru Usman, Rosnam Yunus. Uh not DFS. I'm picking Frankie Edgar just because he's my buddy. Uh, I don't think he wins though. Um, Shane Burgos, Justin Gaethje, Alex Pereira, Ally Quinta, because he's my friend. Um, Chris Curtis, Nasadine Imbavov, Ian Gary, Chris Barnett, Dustin Jacoby, Melsic Bakzarian, and Ode Osborne. It's gonna be a good card, Jason. Get some rapid fire questions because the NHL yep. show is coming up next. Feist to fade, get minimal exposure to for me, Volante Barnett. Yeah, Volante Barnett. Um, and then the, the Bobby Green ally, Quintus, one I'm okay with getting away from. 
Sammy, appreciate you in the super chat. He says it's over at nine and a half. He's getting better. Yeah, I know. It's it's under. Yeah, I would say under. Uh, in terms of uh, top two cash GPP underdogs, I've kind of labeled the underdogs already. Uh, MVP, uh, I think you got to look at Usman. It's going to be a popular one. I think also you got to look at Gaethje, Alex Pereira. I think it's got to be one to look in there too. Uh, top two cash, I will say Usman, Gaethje for me. Yeah, so to answer both of those questions, it's Usman, um, Pereira, and it's Ian Gary. So uh, those three can be used for both of those questions. And, of course, we'll be here on Saturday for Live Before Lock, 5 p.m. Eastern time to get you ready for UFC 268. Coming up next is the AHL Strategy Show. Appreciate everyone tuning in to the Strategy Show. We will talk to you on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Have a good day, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more.